Hello again. Indomitable, incorrigible Ingrid here. It's time for the very first episode of my bi-weekly podcast, Sustainable Mum. Yet again, it has been a humdinger of a fortnight. Oh yes, my plum tree had a plum on it and we ate it. I'd like to share a few of my everyday antics with you. I hope you're going to enjoy listening. So let's go. Doors. This week I was thinking about doors a lot. And what are doors apart from being big chunks of wood or MDF or glass? I was thinking about them metaphorically. I initially thought, wow, yeah, doors, they're exciting. But then I also thought a few seconds later, oh, uh, doors, they might be scary for some people. I mean, my idea of doors being exciting is because you don't know what's behind them. And that can be a thrilling feeling, like adventurous. And then the few seconds later, when I was thinking about doors being scary, I was thinking, yeah, because you don't know what's behind them. And that can be troublesome and worrying and make you anxious if you're the kind of person who wants to know everything in advance. Yeah. So I started off by thinking about doors and that led me to thinking about curtains, um, furniture motif going on here, because curtains are also a bit like doors for me. You can either see them as something that helps you when you're scared. You can hide behind them. I remember Jane Eyre hiding from her cousin behind the curtains when she didn't want to be found. I think she was scared. But the other side of the coin, curtains can be something really amazing. If you have curtains that you pull open wide with both arms, you might have a fantastic view on the other side of the curtains. I was thinking about views a lot because we've just come back from holiday and some of the views from the windows of where we stayed, I wouldn't have ever seen them in my normal everyday life. So yeah, curtains for me can be really brilliant. And also, even if you're not on holiday, just being at home and pulling apart your curtains You have the daylight streaming in. That's a really great thing when you need to see the sun. Or, yeah, you can even stare out of the window at nighttime. The curtains either side of you and you've got all the twinkling lights of wherever you live. Or maybe there's a nice starry sky. So, yeah, I think curtains can also be something that is important and very optimistic for some people. Yeah, of course, if you're the kind of person who thinks that curtains and doors are scary, that's probably because you have this fear of not knowing what's behind the door, what's behind the curtains. Thinking about the not knowing brought me back to remembering reading The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe series of books where there's an entire new world hidden behind the wardrobe door. And the children in that book were very happy to discover a world full of adventure. 
doesn't mean they weren't scared, but they, they went into that world and a lot of things happened, which they would never have experienced had they stayed on the other side of the wardrobe door. Also, I remember the character Reapy Cheap, who was faced with not a door, but uh, a wall of a, an ocean and had to decide, do I sail into the unknown over this ocean wall or do I stay with what I know and, and what's familiar and safe? And yeah, Reapy Cheap chose to go into the unknown, showed a lot of courage. And later on in that book series, I do believe Aslan also offered people on the losing side of the war. There was some war, good and evil. And the people who lost, I remember Aslan offering them a way through a, an empty door frame and saying, hey, look, you can either stay here where you're on the losing side or you can choose to go into the unknown and, and have possibly a better life. And yeah, this idea of not knowing what's coming, is that something good or is that something bad? Depends a lot on the kind of character you are, but I do also think it depends on your age. And I think that children and young people still have that innate ability to get excited in a positive way and think, yeah, I this is going to be something great, the unknown. It's going to be a good decision for me to step into the unknown. And of course, I thought about children because I have a couple and I like and admire the fact that children can see the excitement and the opportunities available for stepping into the unknown. But I mean, there are children who are so young, babies, that they can't make a choice about what they're stepping into or being born into. I do remember reading a fantastic book by Marion Keyes called The Brightest Star in the Sky, which has as its main theme the idea of a baby being born and not knowing into what kind of environment the baby is going to come because it's pure chance. A baby may have, may have rights in the womb, but what about the rights after it's born? Because the baby, nobody has ever asked the baby, do you want to be born into a family which is financially stable? Or do you want to be born into a country which is at war? Do you want to be born in the middle of a slum? Do you want to be born in the middle of the countryside with no entertainment near you? These questions are never asked of a baby. A baby is just born and it has to hope that it's been born into a situation which is fair. I think it, it's okay to say fair because we do have human rights, we do have children's rights, and there are certain things which all of us should have. And that goes without saying that when you arrive on this earth as a tiny baby, you need people to look after you. You can't survive on your own. We're not like other mammals. We need a good long time of support from parents or other adults who take care of us. And that led me to thinking, what happens if you're the baby that gets born into a situation where there's not a family? There's just one person who says, OK, I want a baby. I feel like I have the right to have a child. And that person doesn't think about, is it OK for the baby to come and live in a, a situation where there is no family at all? It happens. I know of a couple of cases in my yeah, in my environment. And the children, they are at a disadvantage if you haven't got family or extended 
adult network around, it really is much harder. I grew up in a, a single parent family, which was not by choice, but it was tough. It was really tough because my mom had to play the role of two parents and she didn't manage. And there were huge deficits in mine and my siblings' childhoods, which I think we've managed to iron out as adults now, but they were there. I mean, yeah, I think it is a right of children to be born into a family where there's more than one person looking after them. The same way that I also think children have a right to be born because they're wanted and not just because society dictates you should have children, therefore it's the done thing to do. Or if you have a child, then you'll get more financial support from your local council or, I don't know, government, which is another reason why some people have babies. I remember when I was a teenager, a few of my friends back then chose to have a baby because having a baby meant they had a right to council housing um, and they could move out of living with their parents, which they didn't want to do when they were teenagers. I don't think anyone wants to live with their parents. But yeah, the children were put on put onto the planet basically as a, a, a means of getting accommodation. I mean, yeah, you ask yourself in this situation, is that fair on the baby to be born simply because they're going to get more money in the bank account and they don't really care about having you? Yeah, so having a child, it's all tied up with what are the rights of the baby? And baby has no chance to see what's behind the door that's the beginning of their life. And so, yeah, that's a bit scary. I'm exceedingly grateful that I was born into a situation where behind the first door in my life there, yeah, there was a family and I was able to grow up knowing that I was loved. and. Yeah, that was the first door, first door that I had as a child in my life. I cannot even for the life of me remember. The motif of doors was was really quite uh, heavy this week. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, the first door. And I was trying to remember what did it actually look like. And I can't ask anyone. That's the sad thing. <laughs> I can't ask anyone anymore. What's the, what was the first front door like? Because, yeah, the people that I lived with at that point are either dead or I don't know where they are. So I can't tell you anything about the first front door in my life. But what I can tell you is that um, I've had about 32, 33 front doors. And that's quite a lot. Talking to my friends and my family, I found out that most people have maybe eight or nine different front doors as they're growing up. Yeah, and hopefully in life you don't have to move too often because every front door is new and you don't know what's going to be behind it. And I've had, yeah, like I said, 32 or 33 different front doors. Some of them were a front door to a, a real home where we had chosen to live there and therefore we could even be proud of the front door and maybe paint it, make it look nicer or have an influence on what went on on the other side of it. A lot of the front doors were, were not by choice. There were emergency accommodations, front door, which, yeah, you have nothing to do with. You just get put there and live there and you're happy if the door locks and, and you're safe on the other side. And then there were 
a few front doors of other people's houses because I've lived in other people's houses. I've rented private rooms and sometimes you have just one room. You live with a family and it's their front door and you have one room that you can escape to and the front door can be quite scary there too because it's another family. You have absolutely no right to say what goes on. I remember one front door. Oh my God, um, I can't even remember where exactly it was. It was in Greater London, I think. Where was I? I think it was West London and the family on the other side. I chose to move in with them because the, the mother was really lovely and they had a little girl and I loved playing with her. And we used to watch MTV together and sing along and dance along to all the songs. Spice Girls wannabe. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know when I agreed to move into that house was that the father, the husband, was actually involved in quite hardcore drug dealing. And one day... The police arrived and banged down the front door and came and took him away. And that was kind of scary. So, yeah, I, I told you that because I wanted to just elucidate that you can't always know what goes on in a family and behind their front door. And then yeah, if you live in a shared house where there are different people all sharing a front door, that can also be difficult because... Sometimes the people in the house, you don't know them. You, you take on the room. There's a landlord and you take on the room and you pay your rent to the landlord and the landlord can choose whoever they wish to live in the other rooms. And I did have one house where there was this crazy guy living in the room next door and he used to bang on the wall a lot, um, especially in the night, and shout obscenities. And I remember being quite scared when I passed him on the way to the shared kitchen and or the shared bathroom. I think I moved out of there pretty quick because it's not nice not knowing who actually is, is living just on the other side of the wall. So there have been front doors which have really not opened up a world of excitement or opportunity for me. They've been quite um, disagreeable or unpleasant. And I have to say, therefore, I appreciate now the fact that I have a front door. It's not a front door. It's at the back of the house, but it's the front door. But yeah, coming back from holiday a few weeks ago, I was able to hang up something next to the front door, a souvenir from where we went. And the immense joy of just being able to change the front door and make it even more symbolic of the, the love and the family that, that's on the other side. That's a really great feeling. And children with their propensity for being positive and optimistic, every child should have the opportunity to have a front door which opens onto a world of opportunity. I think that's what I was trying to say this week with my podcast, that children, children of the future, oh my God, I sound like a Michael Jackson song. Children have in their hands the well-being of all of us in 10, 20, 30 years time. And therefore they have every right and they have every, they should have every opportunity to be able to come into a life where the doors that are in front of them are doors of opportunity and doors that open onto a safe, comfortable environment. I wish for that. I hope and pray that all the children that are born have the chance to have doors of opportunities. And maybe um, just thinking about that a little bit, yeah, maybe... Somebody will paint their front door a nice colour now after listening to this. I hope very much that listening to me has passed the time for you. 
few minutes of contemplation. I would be very happy if you would want to listen to my ideas another time. So, folks, that's the end of my podcast for this fortnight. Thanks very much for listening and for giving me some of your precious minutes. I hope that lots of good things happen to you and your loved ones in the next 14 days. That's all from me. Take care of yourselves. Toodle. <laughs>